God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And, uh, you know, things are really heating up and getting crazy out there in the world of politics. And the liberals are, you know, doing all the bad things. You never hear Republicans, you know, reverse financing uh, other candidates and things like that. It's just not happening. Like Reed Hoffman, pedophile from Epstein Island runs LinkedIn. They don't even care about the brand. They don't even care about the image because they have a monopoly and everybody knows it. So what are you going to do? BlackRock and the super corporate global monopoly run by a bunch of unelected oligarchs are running the world right now. And that's what this election is all about. Is to restore our republic, to restore representation, proper representation. And Trump laid out a uh, multi-point plan that we played yesterday. And, uh, you know, he's basically, if he gets into office, he's going to clean up the deep state. It's been eroded and infiltrated. Talk about an insurrection by the Democrat Socialists of America, DSA. And there's a lot of control in our government to where you can't get you can't get hired in the government if you're a Republican. If you're not part of the cabal or the Ivy League program, and they try to say that they're hiring their best, they're not hiring their best. Claudine Gay was the president of of uh, Harvard. She wasn't the best. She was DEI all the way. A plagiarizing idiot that basically couldn't run a candy store. And she's running the most prestigious university in the world in the name of DEI. Doors are falling off of planes at Alaska Airlines and United. And, you know, the the United uh, CEO is dressed up and dancing around in public 
as a transvestite. And the problem is, you never see the trannies going the other way. You never see women transitioning to men and playing in men's sports. You never see that. All you see are men. Like Rebel News just reported this 50-year-old man hanging out in the 13-year-old swimmer's locker room, fully undressed, and nobody's doing anything about it because the liberals are trying to make a statement. And it's an attack on your your Christian values. It's an attack on uh, ethics and norm, uh, norms. And it's a, it's a way to divide because they're, they're not able to divide with race anymore. That, that's just that, that, that ship has sailed. That dog can't hunt. But firefighters, 88% are men. Construction, 94% are men. Combat troops, 84% men. Trash collectors, 95% men. Cable installers, 95% men. Road builders, 96% men. You know, the guys who build roads out in the hot sweat, hot summer sun. Iron workers, 94% men. Probably the hardest job of all, coal miners. 96% men. That's a man's job. Electricians, 96% men. And plumbers, 90. Oh my God, no, this is the best. Plumbers are 99% men. Notice how the feminists never complain about these gender gaps. I wonder why. So there's another a little statistic here. You take the uh, border, the border battle in Texas, where the Biden administration is literally going out of their way using taxpayer dollars to cut down the razor wire, to open the floodgates. And we now know that the UN is financing this and we're financing the UN. It's laundering. We're financing Ukraine. Ukraine then has to use vendors that are inside the Beltway, think tankers, that are getting millions, if not billions of dollars and financing cooperation from politicians. Foremost among them, the West Exec Group. Anthony Blinken is profiting from his own foreign policy blunders. And Jake Sullivan is right there to push the agenda. And they did the same thing with no strings attached or string, no strings attached with Iran. They did the same thing in Ukraine. It's the same playbook. It's been going on since, since the uh, Herbert Walker Bush was blowing up things in the, in the Middle East. And Halliburton and Enron and all that. They were like, you have to use these contractors. You have to use them. You have to use them. So it's a no-bid contract. It's pure profit. And they act like they're patriots. It's incredible. That's why the Cheneys are so livid and hate Trump. When Trump annihilated ISIS and decided he wanted to pull out of Syria, and he said, we're going to you know, pull out our troops out of Syria because we have no reason to be there. Russia's got that under control. And we're going to go ahead and just watch over the oil pipelines. Well, that was going to basically 
put everybody else out of business. The Kurds, the uh, ISIS rebels, mercenary groups that were paid. And the profit that was coming from that. The same thing happened in Ukraine when Joe Biden was on a hot mic with Poroshenko. And he said, you don't want to actually request aid from the Trump administration, because as soon as you do that, he's going to have his team investigate, you know, and do their due diligence. And they're going to find out about Privy Bank and all these different private things. And they're going to it's going to expose the corruption. So we can't do that. So, you know, he's not up to speed yet. So uh, let's not do that. Because as soon as the administration gets involved, they're going to do their due diligence and they're going to do an audit and they're going to find out about the scam. And that was the same everywhere else you go. That was the same with ISIS for sure. Under the Obama regime and Muslim Brotherhood, they were literally murdering the heads of countries like Gaddafi and throwing out Mubarak in Egypt, installing their own Muslim Brotherhood trash and creating a tumultuous Middle East, financing the hate associated with the Palestinian Hamas terror group and Hezbollah, which is an extension of Iran. Giving Iran money gives uh, power and strength to Hezbollah. Giving Iran money gives power and strength to the Houthis in Yemen which creates a thorn in the side of Saudi Arabia, causes oil prices to go up. It's like a twofer, right? Hey, if oil prices go up, then we're going to push electric and we're going to profit from that too. Oh, yeah. We got it all figured out. In fact, we're going to send that fossil fuel down through Qaddafi's in uh, Libya now that Qaddafi's dead. He's not going to complain. We control Benghazi, right? So we control Tripoli at this point. You know, we control Egypt and Cairo with Morsi and our own CIA crew. And we're going to just go ahead and run anything we want out of Iraq, an unpleased state. And we're going to run it into Africa and we're going to get mining rights to fulfill the new demand for electric, now that fossil fuels are going up, since we're actually uh, creating havoc on Saudi Arabia. And Qatar and other Sunni uh, Arab nations who were in bed with the Palestinians was part of the conflict. And it's interesting when Trump came in, first speech in Riyadh, normalizing relations, advanced the Abraham Accords, And there was relative peace in the Middle East. Relative peace. So we're living in a world that could be fixed really quick, but it's not being fixed. Everything that you're seeing is by design, but everything you're seeing is starting to crumble because the one thing that they can't seem to beat is the will of billions of people around the world who just want to be left alone and that they uh, have their government work for them for a change since they're paying the taxes and the bills. 
So happening now, Donald Trump, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and 25 states have backed Texas in their fight against the Biden administration. Who said Biden couldn't unite America? Who said Biden couldn't unite America? He's uniting it for the other team, for the right, for the MAGA. He talks about 74 million people. He talks about 50, greater than 50% of America as, as terrorists. He hates his country, Joe Biden, because he thinks MAGA is, he associates MAGA with white supremacy, which is kind of insane, right? I mean, the only white supremacists I've seen in the last decade have been the FBI. Because that's how they dress up. They dress up and, and create false flags everywhere they get, uh, get, every chance they get. The Whitmer kidnapping. The botched uh, Las Vegas shooting. Um, Jesse Smollett, they botched that. They covered that up. You know, they're just a bunch of criminals over at the FBI. I wouldn't cooperate with the FBI if my life depended on it. They're an enemy of the state. And the CIA and the State Department are too. They suck. That's what I think of them. So Texas is right. Biden's failure to secure the border leaves states no choice but to take matters into their own hands. That's what Kennedy said. Bobby Kennedy Jr. Almost forgot his name for a second. My goodness, where did he go? The Democrats don't want any part of Bobby Kennedy. Trump went a step further and called on states to send their guards to the border to stop the flow of illegals. And guess what? The states responded. We encourage all willing states to deploy their guards to Texas, their National Guards, to prevent the entry of illegals and to remove them back across the border. Now, some people are arguing, you know, he's violating uh, Abbott. Governor Abbott's violating the Supreme Court order. No, the Supreme Court order uh, gave license to the federal government to do what they want with regard to its borders. But it's sort of like one of those mazes or one of those little trick questions where there's like a square box and then there's um, another square box in a square box in a square box. You know, there's four square boxes. In it. And it's like, how many square boxes do you see? Oh, you forgot the the one on the outer rim. See, there's there's a bo- there's one border that belongs to the United States, but it also belongs to Texas. That border along Mexico is a Texas border. But guess what? It's also a United States border. So both parties have acts, have domicile or have control or sovereignty over that border. So the federal government's tearing down the work of the state. And so they're um, now having truckers, like in Europe and like in Ottawa, truckers are going down to Texas and taking a stand. 25 states have spoken up to back Texas. How do you think that's going to look in an election year? This is blowing up in Joe Biden's face. He is such, such a moron. This is what happens when you have liberal ideology that's so clouded, it so clouds your judgment 
that you can't see the forest from the trees. And this is going to make it impossible for their cheating to survive. the alg- There's not going to be an algorithm big enough because even Democrats are waking up and especially the people in Chicago and the people in Boston, Logan Airport, where Massachusetts has this um, right to shelter rule. And in other airports around the country, Atlanta, people are living in the airports. Boston, Logan Airport, Chicago O'Hare. People are fed up with these terrorists, disease freaks, and uh, impoverished, taking up all of our resources while we have American veterans dying of frostbite in the streets. America last or America first? It's your decision. So, here it is breaking. President Biden gives Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott from Texas, until tomorrow. And this was yesterday that this was written. Until tomorrow to allow federal agents to cut swaths of razor wire installed at the southern border by the state of uh, or face the consequences. <laughs> Note, Biden can federalize Texas natural, National Guard leaving Abbott with no power to resist federal might. Let me read that again. Biden can federalize Texas National Guard. Oh, so he would federalize the National Guard leaving Abbott with no power to resist federal might. Note, Biden as president has the authority to federalize National Guard units, bringing them under the control of the federal government. Note, however, this is typically done in specific circumstances and with legal justifications, such as responding to a national emergency or protecting federal interests. Abbott can claim that he's trying to protect American interests from illegal immigration. It's an invasion. That's interesting. Biden versus Abbott tomorrow. Showdown. Okay, so that's today. As tensions escalate. Watch. Let's take a listen to this. I haven't I haven't even heard this clip. So, you know, I don't even know what I'm about to hear, but it looks interesting. Let's 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 all enjoy it together. This is Ted Cruz. It's like a, a New York subway stopping at every stop every couple of minutes. Eight hundred people get off the subway. And think about that. Everywhere, all there's a city. Governor Abbott calls it a dereliction of duty. Senator Ted Cruz goes a step further. Listen. Joe Biden deliberately, systematically broke the border and opened it up. The illegal aliens look for Border Patrol agents. They affirmatively turn themselves in. And the reason is the agents ask them, where do you want to go? And they respond, I want to be in New York. I want to be in Boston. I want to be in Chicago. I want to be in Dallas. And what happens? Joe Biden and his administration puts them on planes, puts them on buses, sends them to every city in America. Well, they've got a plan and we've got. Well, that paused. Team Fox coverage. Yeah, Carl Rove is live in Austin. Uh, Garrett Tenney is live in Chicago. Let's start, though, in the heart of the matter. That's Eagle Pass, Texas. And Matt Finn back on duty there. Good morning, Matt. 
Good morning, Bill. As it stands right now, you might be able to make out behind me. Texas's razor wire is still here inside of Shelby Park. It remains untouched. However, the Biden administration has now warned Texas it has until tomorrow to allow Biden's border agents back into Shelby. All right. So we just covered that. We're going to go ahead and take a caller. Caller, you're on the air. This is, I guess, Rob from Utah. It's always going to be me at this point. I, I, I'm just, I was listening to the story yesterday of the, the mother who her daughter was uh, raped by the illegal on the Glenn Beck show. I don't know if you caught that yesterday. No. You know, it's horrifying. Hard. I mean, they're here now. They own real estate. They're renting properties yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so far gone. I mean, the, the man... Or, or the boy, I don't know how old he was. Right, right. Killed the first, killed the girl, then and then raped her after she was dead. This is what is coming in our country right now under this Biden administration and you know his border policies. This is getting out of hand. Well, it's been now, it's, it's been out of hand. It was out of hand when Obama was in office, and he called them dreamers. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's insane. I mean, you look at you so look the at only the one that the only one that made sense was Trump, and they're trying. And by the way, I I saw this thing recently. They tried to say, well, you know, um, Obama actually deported more than Trump. No, 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 no. They that's not the case. Obama was counting deportations as people being turned away at the border. Like when they would drive up and they were turned away, didn't have their passport or something, he counted that as a deportation. Yeah, yeah there's all kinds of there's all kinds of things they do on any different topic. Yeah, to manipulate yeah. numbers. It's just we can't be. The bottom line is we're all trying to follow the Constitution now. I see, which is very far gone because I mean, like you were talking about the FBI, the CIA, the. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security, the you know the, yeah. the Marines, the Army. Let's use for instance, we're not supposed to have any of them. Right. We're only supposed to have a Navy under the Constitution of the United States and a militia. That's how far gone this has gone. Yeah, well, there's no are... numeration for us to be giving away billions of dollars. To oh, absolutely no, and and I can't wait till Trump gets to be in office again. I can't wait till he starts to defund the UN and punish the UN for the crimes that they're committing. Wait till you hear what I'm about to play with regard to the UN, okay? But stay tuned. Stay on the Scott Adams Show. And thank you for calling in today. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to cover that. Um, but first, this is an interesting confrontation. Texas Governor... Greg Abbott has a ton of public support from both Republicans and Democrats to openly defy Joe Biden and the U.S. Supreme Court. If Joe Biden does nothing, it looks like the weak president that he is. If Joe Biden sends in the FBI and massive numbers of FBI agents or federal agents, he looks like he is trying to open the borders and assist an illegal invasion during an election year. There is no winning move here for Joe Biden. I, I agree 100% with that analysis. That is great analysis. Charlie Kirk writes, The unity behind closing the border is the most promising development we have seen in the right on the right in years. This is because of three major reasons. Elon Musk liberating X and Twitter. Thanks to the platform, we have a fighting chance to challenge the media and expose what is actually happening on the border. Two. The political popularity of Trump, Trump becoming the 
presumptive GOP nominee, has helped to elevate the border as a dominant and winning issue. Even McConnell knows this. Three, Governor Abbott's willingness to reject old Bush-era republicanism. Abbott leaning into the border despite a disappointing SCOTUS ruling is exciting and promising. Closing the border and deporting illegals is, is quickly becoming the most energizing issue of 2024. That, too, is great analysis. I'm glad I got to read that. All right. So now, with regard to the uh, UN, all right, let's take a listen to this. You're gonna, this is going to blow your mind, but let's listen. Well, now we know for a fact the United Nations is funding the migrant crisis. We can stop guessing. Uh, from the Center for Immigration Studies, and I will put the article uh, link in the comments section so everybody can go read it for themselves, but here you go. United Nations budgets million for U.S.-bound migrants in 2024. Public documents show cash handouts to help food, feed, transport, and house people headed for the U.S. border. And hey, at least they even have a projection that, um, you know, in a nutshell, the United Nations and its advocacy partners are planning to spread the $372 million in cash and voucher assistance and multi-purpose cash assistance to some 624,000 immigrants uh, in transit to the United States during 2024. So I'll put the link uh, as, as in my comment thread so you guys can all read this. But um, <clears throat> yeah, now we don't have to guess at all that the United Nations is uh, funding this. And we don't have to guess because we've got you know, 624,000 coming. And you got BlackRock, you got the meat control in the media, you got uh, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, the valuation, the valuation of just the media alone is worth billions. So this is a, this is a mammoth investment to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Where have we heard that before? So it's absolutely crazy. So this guy, fight, uh, flight got canceled on my way, stuck in Chicago tonight. So I decided to go check out the holding, uh, where they're holding illegals. Let's take a listen to this. So just to give you guys an update on why I'm here, the flight got canceled in Chicago. I was actually flying home to see my girls. So I got to stay here a night. So I figure what better thing to do than uh, come and show you what's happening, give you an update. And surprise, surprise, it's worse. There's more people here than there were before. That entire curtain all the way back for 100 yards is full, and they're actually coming out out to here as well. And every single day, more and more and more busloads, and there are hundreds of locations around the area here that are full every single day. They're getting more full. The weather, weather's getting worse, and there's no end in sight because the Democrats are inviting more of this. What's up, bro? My boy again. Hey. We said. Yep, I put you on the film because he said my mom should swallow me. And you get to be on film because you're in public. Venezuela, they've actually. So this whole thing, this whole black curtain, full of illegals, all the way down, the entire bus terminal's no taken picture. over. Who said no pictures? <clears throat> you're in America. 
This whole bus terminal has been taken over by illegals because they've been invited in by Joe Biden. But now they don't even have room behind here. They have hundreds behind this black curtain. Now they're, they're having to put the beds out here so that American citizens can't even sit out here anymore. You got more beds coming here. So American citizens are standing out in the freezing cold out here because they don't want to come in here. And on February 2nd, this entire thing is getting taken over where media is not going to be able to come in. Citizens aren't going to be able to come in. It's only illegal aliens that are going to be allowed to be in here. This is Joe Biden's America. This is the Democrats' America. Please stay away from curtain. Please stay away. Don't touch. Private. It's private here, guys. Private here. So this, so if I go in there, I'm breaking the law. But if you come in illegally into our country, that's fine. And Venezuela. And there's a picture of him with his gun and military uniform. Hundreds, it's hundreds. For the most part, I just think that, you know, you can't cross over any border in any other country but ours. Yeah. Um, and from what I've seen, it's a lot of military age men yeah. coming from other countries, and that's concerning. Yeah. Um, but I know people want to have a better life, and America's yeah. the land of golden opportunity. Um, but I think there has to be just a, a, a legal and a fair way to get here. Well, we just can't handle it. I, mean, I know, you know, we can't handle it. can't handle that many. Um, I don't want to say freeloaders, but that many people getting things for free and, you know, um, not putting in the work and doing their part. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully they, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it all works out in the next administration. So. Yeah. Any preference on who wins? Um, no, I don't really talk politics, but I'd say I'm a little bit of a moderate. Yeah. Go both ways on different subjects. But I do know one important thing is we've got to... She, so, so that's all sweet and nice, but she's she must take a stand. She can't just be that wimp right there and not say the obvious. She's going to vote for Trump. But you know what? The more she speaks up, the better it would be for America. Another story that's really bothering me today is E. Jean Carroll going to get $10 million from Trump. She doesn't even know the year. Trump was squashed by the judge when he said, I've never met this woman. I don't know her. And they had to re revise, they lobbied to get this so that they could go back and sue somebody past 20 years because it was longer than 20 years. It was in the 90s. So it was over 20 years, like closer to 30 years. So they had to get a new law rewritten so she could actually sue Trump and she doesn't even know what year, like 96 maybe. She doesn't even know what year the offense allegedly happened, right? I mean, in Bergdorf Goodman, which mimicked Law & Order episode, it was like written right out of, stolen, like plagiarizing a plot line out of Law & Order, like to the letter. And she's a wackadoodle that says rape is sexy. And named her cat Vagina and her dog Tits. I mean, this is the E. Jean Carroll. This is the wackadoodle that's getting away with this. She's funded by Reed Hoffman, the guy from LinkedIn, 
who's financing Nikki Haley's campaign. So E. Jean Carroll has found herself with another inconsistent story in her claims against Trump. She presented the dress that she was allegedly wearing during the alleged assault. It was a nice blazer made by Donna Karen. Unfortunately for her, the blazer didn't exist in 1994. Okay, so it was 94. The year she claims it happened. The blazer actually came out years later. Her entire story is full of more holes than the southern border. How can anyone trust this woman with any shred of truth? I mean, so, I mean, this is just, just, this is what's going on. The dress that she says she wore didn't exist at the time. How in the world are we living in America with this level of justice or injustice? So during a hearing yesterday for Jeff Clark in Fannie Willis's RICO case, DA office admitted it received two letters from Joe Biden, White House counsel. Judge wants both letters filed under seal for an in-camera review in his chambers. Let's take a listen. Uh, all right, Mr. Bernick. So let's start there. Um, again, we're traveling under Brady and he's asking for evidence and our communications with the White House counsel's office was about logistics and procedures, whether they had a two-week type process in place. Um, it wasn't about any, obtaining any type of evidence for them. But this seems a bit different. We're not talking so much about the logistics of witnesses as to whether there is potentially any coordination or uh, a political motivation that might well that's speculation. Uh, and it, it would be speculation right now because uh, i think he concedes he doesn't have access to your emails and it, it would be unlikely unless he was sitting in the room or bugged it that he'd have any idea what was in there but apparently he's got some documentation that a meeting did occur yeah. and so i guess the the issue would be a selective prosecution claim can be brought pre-trial uh, if they think that there are grounds on it. And that's a bit different than just asking about whether a witness is going to show up or is not going to show up, right? Right. So the original question was, is there something actually in writing that shows communications between the office and the White House counsel? Uh, we did get a letter from the White House Counsel's office. All right, so boom. As stated before. All right, uh, so it's just that you're select, saying these. That, that, that lends itself to selective prosecution, like you just said. Sole written communication, whether by text, <clears throat> whether by email, whether by written correspondence, solely consists of one written letter. Written letter, or well, two written letters, John. Two. Um, now it's two. About procedures, about how we interviewed, whether it was a two type process with former or current White House officials. Okay. <laughs> That's not good, folks. Not in America. Also disclosed today, or yesterday, Biden DOJ did not give Jeff Rosen or Richard Donahue permission to testify before special GA grand jury. Clark's defense attorney wants to see the correspondence too. 
judge seemed less inclined to permit that request, but raises the larger issue for both. Election interference trials. So will government, especially DOJ, allow former officials to testify, Barr, Rosen, Donahue, etc., at trial, and what will scope of their testimony be? Clark's attorney suggested they will ask John Ratcliffe and Chris Krebs to testify. Clark wants White House correspondence as part of selective prosecution defense. So selective prosecution's in play here. And also Brady, which is exculpatory evidence, good evidence that helps your case. All right, so we're going to get to a series of Vivek exchanges. Um, Oh, and then there's an election fraud thing I want to cover. I want to cover this one first. So the Arizona audit, you know, we've already heard about Kerry Lake and being bribed, and that's going to probably fall into the lap of the shenanigans going on within the Republican Party itself. They're so afraid of Trump. But Katie Hobbs committed the single greatest crime of the 2020 and 2022 elections, 20% of all 2020 mail-in ballots or 421,000 ballots out of 1.9 million confirmed to have no signature match in Maricopa County alone. This has been my biggest argument since day one. Signature verification. Let's take a listen talked about signature verification has been that third rail in Maricopa County. You can't touch it. You can't talk about it. And that was really the line in the sand that the county drew during the Arizona audit. And it's not difficult to see why they don't want us looking at those signatures, because guess what? They don't match. See, the problem is you got the you got the the ballots being mailed out to everybody in there on the planet. And then you got ballot harvesters chasing the ballots down and getting paid to fill them out, just like Vladimir Putin said. They know it all the way in Russia. We're a clown country at this point. But the thing is, is that the ballot harvesters don't know what the signatures look like. They have no, they never met the person whose ballot they're filling out. You follow? So they don't know. They can't figure it out. Like it's, it's impossible to have, you know, and, and to do that, right? So that's where signature verifications, ver- you can't have both. You can't have mail-in ballots and ballot harvesters and, and all this, that, and the other, and then not have signature verification too. So th- that's why there was 421,000 ballots that didn't match. You take the voter... Uh, ballot envelope and compare it to the affidavit in order to determine whether it's a legitimate vote. So there are two areas that we looked at that we want to share with you today. The first one is you take the voter uh, ballot envelope and compare it to the affidavit in order to determine whether it's a legitimate vote. So there are two areas that we looked at that we want to share with you today. The first one is the signature verification of 2020 and how that relates to 2022. 
420,987 ballot envelopes <coughs> failed signature verification in the 2020 election. The system was never repaired, and because of that, those same issues that caused the massive amount of failures was still in existence in the 2020 election. In the 2022? In the 2022 election, which has left our system still vulnerable. You take the voter uh, ballot envelope and compare. All right. Who determined the, the number 420,987 from the 2020 election? Was that your organization that determined there were that number of failed signatures, or was that the number reported by all of the counties in, in Arizona? So, Madam Chair, Senator Bennett, that number is based on a, a, um, a review of a quarter of the 1.9 million envelopes from the 2020 election. We used 150 trained workers that studied the Secretary of State manual and followed those guidelines. And then they analyzed each voter record individually. Once we got the statistics for that first 25% or 400,000 ballots, then it was extrapolated to determine the final number. Those are Maricopa County. That is just Maricopa County. Wow. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make, Madam Chair, is I think Maricopa County alone uh, had 2,089,563 ballots in 2020 and one, about 1 1.9 million of them were by mail. And so your group analyzed about 25% of those 1.9 million in Maricopa County, came up with a percentage that you considered to have failed signature verification, then you extrapolated to get to the 429, 20,000. Madam correct? Chair, Senator Bennett, that is correct. Thank you. Okay, proceed. Okay, so you get the idea. They did 25% of 1.9, and they came up with a percentage and then attributed that to the entire 1.9, but that's still a lot. And it's enough to change the outcome of the election, obviously. And this is exactly what's going on, is there's no signature verification because ballot harvesters are picking up ballots, filling them out, getting paid, dropping them off, and they're being counted after they shut down uh, counting for the night. I mean, it's it's the it's so bad. And the Democrats lie all the time. Take a listen to this. This is uh, where Charlie Hurt uh, says everybody says they don't they want to run against Donald Trump, but yet everything they do indicates something different. Let's take a listen to this analysis are most important among everybody, especially independents. It's not just Republicans who care about it. I also think it's very interesting uh, to hear Democrats are always saying, oh, no, we want to face Donald Trump because he'll be so easy to beat. Yeah. But every opportunity they get, they go out and vote for, for Nikki Haley. So I don't, I, I don't really understand what the strategy there is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, you know, stepping back, big picture here, um, Nikki Haley is, uh, you know, if you want to know what money does in politics, money allows her to stay in the race. And that's why she's staying in the race. The reason Ron DeSantis had to get out of the race is he had no money left. Right. Um, And so she's going to be able. And and my my suspicion is that she's going she's out with an ad already. She's going to uh, sort of test the waters for about a week Mm -hmm. and kind of see if the numbers move in South Carolina Mm -hmm. and then make a decision after that. Because if she goes into South Carolina, she will have lost uh, Iowa, New, New Hampshire, Hampshire, and Nevada, 
and then she's going to be going into her home state. And she has to reckon with the idea that, you know, she obviously thinks she has a, a, a bright future. And, in, of course, in Republican politics, uh, you know, the, the runner-up from last time is always in the best position. And between, you know, she's going to try to consider herself uh, that runner-up. But do you want to fall into the ash heap of people like Al Gore and John Edwards who lost their own state, which is like beyond humiliating. It is. And uh, and, and I, so I think that, you know, at some point uh, and then that big money that is behind her, because you're right, they don't like Trump. Jeb Bush. And, and, Jeb you know, Bush would be another example. Scramble. You know, we talk about third party candidates and, and you know, third party, uh, the, uh, the American system is very hostile to third party candidates. But Donald Trump is sort of like our first third party candidate, our first independent to ever run. And he pisses everybody off, Republicans and Democrats, which, by the way, I think is a very good thing. And and not the the least of which is the fact that he has undone uh, the answer to every election uh, in memory has been money. If you have more money, you always win, except in the case of Donald Trump. Absolutely he beat right. Hillary Clinton, Absolutely he right. beat Nikki Haley. With and less Sanders, money. Right. Even though they outspend him massively. It's a yeah, movement, and the enthusiasm is very... Yeah, and you know what? That's interesting. He's got the best of both worlds. He's running as a third candidate, but he's aligned with the Republican voter. So he's got the benefit of being party-affiliated. <laughs> it's brilliant, really, when you think about it. All right, we're going to get to Vivek Ramaswamy. All right, so these are a couple of things going on here. Um, let's take a listen to this one. The people we elect to run the government should be the ones who actually run the government. And then that's where the problem with globalism comes in. So there's three classes of people. Or the all, bureaucrats. I talk about this in my first book, Woke Inc., a little bit. I mean, you got the creators, right? The actual, you could, could be a professor at a university as opposed to the associate dean of God knows what could be the entrepreneur proprietor who started the company as opposed to the vice president of human resources, could be the elected president of the United States versus, you know, the, the class that sits underneath him. You've got the creators, you've got the constituents, customers, shareholders, voters, mm. and then you've got the managerial class who are the higher middle management bureaucracy designed to administer that which the creators have created with the intention of serving the constituents, mm. but to make it scalable. Like that's that's the basic premise of it. I mean, in a corporate context or not. And I think we live in a moment right now where the balance of power between those three categories has vastly shifted towards the managerial class, the committee class, as we could call it, the permanent the permanent bureaucracy or what we would call in government the permanent state. I think it's true in every sphere of our lives right now. I think it's true in corporate America. I think it's true in universities. But it so happens, and I do think it's the mother of all bureaucracies, it is absolutely true in the government that the people who we elect have almost nothing to do with what actually impacts most people's everyday lives compared to the permanent machine that sits under it. And is fundamentally agnostic to the political party who's on top as long as they're going to keep the party going. And so Joe Biden's one version of that, Nikki Haley's another version of that, either of which is a safe choice. Deep state is essentially just bureaucracy. Yeah. And your mission as president would have been to eliminate... Dismantle 75% of the... A jackhammer, just like a chainsaw. And I'm just trying to help people who might be like, oh, this guy wants to abolish the Department of Education. What the fuck is that? You're just trying to eliminate... Oh, sorry about that. I didn't know there was a word in that clip um all right i'm not gonna play that anymore but uh wow okay my bad um and here we go with uh this he he had a he had one exchange with charlemagne the god that was incredibly good and i think that's the one i'm gonna play um 
This one I'm not going to play. It says, here's an idea to bridge the divide on abortion. Codify sexual responsibility for men into law. If a woman carries a child to term, she can automatically make the man fully uh, financially responsible, both for herself and for the child. It confirms for patern- by paternity test, she would should be an idea that both parties can agree on. Okay, so that's, that's that. But I'm, I'm going to get to this one. This was the one that went viral and uh this is the one about john adams he's on charlemagne the god and he's just schooling charlemagne and this is the second time he's been on this show person who was the i think charlemagne the god is starting to put on like pierce morgan and starting to like really embrace the MAGA movement and it's having a, a positive impact within the black community because this show is very popular within the black community so that's what's kind of important about this slave holder back then be John Adams. We, that's what we should call ourselves to be. The person who bucks the trend of their time to say, I'm going to speak on my own conviction and do what's different than being the product of my own time. Because anybody can parrot what the slogan is of their day. But the hard thing to do is to say the pack is running this way and I'm going this way instead anyway because it's grounded like on my conviction. Like that's Adams, what we need. People like John Adams are the reason you can point at it and say it was wrong, though, because John Adams knew it was wrong. Well, a lot of people are going to be doing things today that are different than the way that each of us is going to be living our lives and say the same thing in 250 years from now, somebody else people is going to be like having Abe the same Lincoln conversation. Wrong, Abe Lincoln wasn't around then, man. That was still later on. That was still later on. And yeah. just, we'll just take the story down. We'll just pass this lineage down. We don't talk American history enough. Actually, it irritates me. A lot of conservatives talk about the importance of knowing history without actually just talking about history. Let's talk this through. So John Adams, you know his son is? John Quincy Adams. He's the first non-founding father who became a president. <clears throat> Here's a funny fact about him. He was the first, so outside of the founding fathers, he was the first one who was elected president. He actually wasn't a great president. He had, he was elected out after one term. People didn't love him. And so he tried to find everything else he could do. He went and tried to write some books and he went and tried to start some nonprofits and none of that spoke to him. He's the only president, John Adams' son, who went back to Congress after being a president. So he's elected to multiple terms of Congress. And you know what he went back to Congress with was one thing he regretted not doing as a president was abolishing slavery. Mm. This is long before Abraham Lincoln comes along, okay? So he wanted to abolish slavery. His father was an abolitionist. He didn't accomplish much during his tenure as president. He was a good secretary of state, but he was, a, he was not a very good president. Think about the humility to say, I'm not even going to go to the Senate. I'm going to go become a congressman and get reelected multiple times with the mission of abolishing slavery. Now, here's what happens. There was a rule that Congress passes. It's called the gag rule, which stopped people from using the word slavery. Like they literally couldn't use the word slavery because they didn't want people to utter the word because it made them uncomfortable. So this guy's already been the U.S. president. Okay, so he has nothing to lose. He's just a congressman now. He says, I'm going to say the word. I'm going to say it. Slavery, 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 slavery. There. Congress has set the rule that you can't say the word slavery. Well, I'm going to say it. So they censure him. And have, just like they have today for you know, George Santos or whatever, they'll have the equivalent of kicking him out of Congress. Mm-hmm. So they have his trial in Congress. And he uses his own personal trial, because this guy's got nothing to lose. They use his own personal trial for saying the word slavery when you're not allowed to say the word slavery to make the case for abolition from the stand of his own trial to being kicked out of Congress. At the end of that, they get rid of the gag rule. So you're allowed to say slavery, which opens up the debates that you're then allowed to have. So a year later, about a year or so later, he's given a speech on the Congress floor. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, this guy with this humility. He's given a speech on the Congress floor. He has a stroke in the middle of his speech. 
he dies right there. He doesn't die quite yet. They take him up to the upstairs room, keep him alive for another couple days. And eventually he dies up in that ante room outside in the same Congress where he then devoted that later stage of his career. And they took volunteers for who's going to be the person who carries out his funeral rites and carries him out. And the guy who raises his hand and does it was a first-term congressman. Nobody had heard of, hadn't said a word, by the name of Abraham Lincoln. And so these are the stories of our history, man. We don't tell these stories yeah, anymore. And you're we celebrate, the- we, we, we put back our founding fathers and we talk about how these people are, how these people are slave owners and we're going to dismiss the ideals they set into motion without recognizing that like us today, these are imperfect human beings that still strived and to be the best that they possibly could have, just as we do today. And so it, but they, it bothers but, 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 but me but deeply for but, us to just lazily reject that, as opposed to saying, we acknowledge those imperfections, but we're founded on the pursuit of a more perfect union. Absolutely, but the reason the you pursuit can't, the, of liberty, equality, you and justice just, for all. The reason you can't just dismiss it and say, okay, I'm not dismissing Thomas it, though. Was I, do I sound person. like I'm dismissing it, Charlemagne? Yes, but the reason... I, I disagree the, with the, you, man, the, and I, 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 I the think The reason that you can't say Thomas Jefferson... If you're going to put Jefferson me in the category of the conversation we had and saying that I just dismissed it out of hand, I think that that's... I think that's unfair. I just think that that's unfair. I, I don't think that. I dismiss it. But, but I acknowledge the totality of what a human being is, which is an imperfect and flawed human being who we can I'm still celebrate. I'm fine with that. But you can't that's tell, what we have to be. But you can't tell people just to ignore the fact that Thomas Jefferson I'm not telling people to ignore See, it. See, that's the kicker. That right there, is, folks, is the kicker. Is They want to tear the statue down because he did one bad thing. Jefferson actually you know, had slaves, but yet, and probably had children, from black mothers. But um, but at the end of the day, he wrote a really great document. And, you know, you aspire the pursuit of greatness, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of good things. And uh, that's really... I, I just think that that was so well articulated by Vivek there. It's probably going to be no wonder that Donald Trump selects Vivek as his VP. I'm sure that that I that's that's where I would bet my money. But uh I'm really not a betting man anyway. But uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams show. And uh be sure to check out magapack.org, magapack.org. Find out how we're advancing America first policies to make America great again. And also Make a donation if you'd like to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free because donations over there help us perpetuate this message over here. Also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. It's in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to their 